is Phoenix FM. It is indeed. It's the One Two Three Show with Phoenix FM with me, Stuart Pink, and joining me via the power of the interweb is my movie mate, Mr. Mark Sibby. Hello, Mark. Afternoon. The what do you reckon? Like fifth, sixth most famous Mark in films. <laughs> we should make a Tenth. list. Yeah, I we mean, should. Yeah, listen. If I make top ten, I'm happy with that. That's no problem, really. <laughs> um, just, just in between Mark Wahlberg and Mark Ruffalo, I'm drinking. It's an unfortunate position to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in between um, a guy who does a lot of macho films and the Incredible Hulk, so yeah, you would like him when he's angry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially if he's below me. So yeah, maybe we'll we'll tot up a little list. Famous we'll do marks. that, yeah. Yeah, famous marks, famous Stuarts. I reckon I might come out higher up. There's, you there's might well them. do, actually. There's not that many famous Stuarts, is there? I'll be the first. Yeah, you could well, be. Yeah. Not the first, there's been a few. But no, not, really, not you know, yeah, now. Just Stuart Little Count, I can take him on. He's just a mess. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is above you. <laughs> Despite his size. Yeah, he is above you, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Um, Good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we should just briefly talk about the, the very sad news uh, which came out over the weekend, uh, the past weekend, about the uh, sad and tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, yes. Oh, that, was, uh, that, was, that hit me hard, that. Yeah. Um, I mean... I got up on, on, I think it was Sunday morning when it, it, the news broke on Monday. I can't remember now. And my other half sat there and she said, Chadwick Boseman has died. I'm like, what? No. Yeah, no way. Yeah, I was like, no. She went, yeah, yeah, he had cancer. I'm like, my goodness. And then you read into it and he kept it secret for like six years. And mm. in that time, you realise uh, the the films that he gave us, you know, obviously Black Panther and Avengers um, he also did 21 Bridges in that time as well. Um, yeah. Marshall really as well. Went all out in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, that's it? the thing. Um, what I will say about Chadwick Boseman is the fact that Black Panther, not single-handedly, but very much was at the forefront of hopefully what we're seeing now is this revolution in black cinema um, in that major studios and studios that do superhero comic book movies are now fully embracing that side of it all. Um, and that's then thanks to Black Panther and the mm. fact that Chadwick Boseman, you know, in, inhabited that character so well that it, it just felt so natural. Um, you know, you watch Black Panther and he has this, he I had this. Born to play that role, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was absolutely, and there was a lot of people who wanted that role. Let me tell you, there was a lot oh, of I'll people. Um, but yeah, he brought some like gravitas to it. That was the thing. Um, but what we've got to remember as well is the fact that while that was probably the film that introduced him to the wider world, he had still made a couple of really good films before that. So I, you know, his breakthrough film. Uh, in 2013 was um, the biography uh, sort of of Jackie Robinson, the baseball player from America, uh, well, uh, you know, this huge African-American baseball player. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then a couple of years later, he played James Brown in Get On Up. Now, those are Not two... an easy character to take well, on. 
Absolutely not. But neither is Jackie Robinson. And for an actor who had been scratching around doing bit parts, you know, he's a jobbing actor, episode of Law and Order, episode of Castle, episode of this, episode of that. You know, for him to turn around and go, right, okay, do you know what? I'm going to do Jackie Robinson. And then a couple of years later, I'm going to do James Brown. I mean, that showed that the man had confidence, huge confidence already in himself that he could take on those characters. And then within what we're talking only a couple more years and then he gets the role of black panther and you're like wow well then you know the the world was his oyster and he went on to make some films that actually meant something to him you know i was talking about marshall Mm. uh, which is a really interesting film uh not many people saw it unfortunately but i found it quite riveting uh it's just he was a guy who looked like he didn't want to go the safe and easy route i think that was the thing um, you know, bit of a risk taker. Yeah, to a certain degree, he was. He mm. was doing. You know that phrase, "one for them, one for me." Yeah, that's what it felt like with him. So I'm going to do the big studio one, and in actual fact, it's still one for me as well because you know this is a huge deal. Um, but also that means that I can then go off and make something else, something maybe a little bit smaller or a little bit out of the ordinary because of what I've done. And that was the thing. So he was very much one of those actors who looked like he was going to have one of those careers where he would appear in a film and anybody who saw that film went, wow, that's probably his best performance ever. And people were like, yeah, but he's he's Black Panther. You're like, yeah, he's great in Black Panther, but you've got to see that film. You know, I'm talking about the James Brown yeah. biopic, Get On Up. Anybody who hasn't seen it, I mean, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people didn't see it because... Nobody really knew who Chadwick Boseman was at the time. Now, hopefully, people will go back and watch yeah, it. Yeah, one of those um, things where people will, will look back at his mm, back catalogue and go, oh, that was really good. That yeah, really absolutely. Good. So, you know, I mean, in summary, a huge, huge loss, really, to the world of cinema itself and obviously mm. uh, black cinema as well. You know, he was uh, one of the modern pioneers. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a shame because clearly... Black Panther 2 was going to be this phenomenal piece of work and now it's all got to be changed. Um, but that's... Yeah, I wonder what that'll well, turn into. You know, Did they start filming? No, no. They, they had been writing it for about a year now, mm. I think. Um, but, you know, that's a discussion for another time. Uh, the, the, the thing is, how do you follow a performance like Chadwick Boseman? Oh, impossible. Yeah, I... I Good luck to whoever wants to try and do that because that performance was fantastic. You know, the the fight scene between him and uh, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. At the top of the waterfall, it's brilliant. So well choreographed, both of them really going for it. And I think that showed that, you know, him and a lot of other actors had this chemistry and it worked really well. And you only have to see the outpouring of love from actors who worked with him to say what he was like. And it's uh yeah, it's a it's a sad sad passing. It really is. Sad loss, but he's left a hell of a legacy. Yeah, oh absolutely. To, a hell of a legacy in such a small amount of time as well. Yeah. Oh, he's quite a testament to him, isn't it? To yeah. the last oh, few years, the absolutely. sort of films he made. Absolutely. Indeed. So you've been to the cinema recently again. Uh follow up visit. Well, somebody's got to go. This is the thing. In fact, the the good news is, I say that, you know, somebody's got to go. The the good news is that people are going back to the cinema, which is great. 
Um, more and more people are going back, and the film that is pulling people in is Tenet, as to be expected. You know, we I'm not going to review it because we spoke about it last week, but the good yeah. news is that it's been released in 41 different countries now, Whoa. and it has pulled in just over $50 million in those countries. Now, these countries are not at full opening either, um, that fifty million, by the way, is only from Wednesday through to Saturday, so <laughs> it's not bad for a few days. It's not bad for a few days. In fact, yeah. in the UK, it uh, it did seven point one million dollars, so you know, just under seven million pounds, which is fantastic, and actually more than what Christopher Nolan's previous film, Dunkirk, did in the same time. But Dunkirk opened in the summer wow. to you know all cinemas everywhere. So um, somebody had asked me last week is Tenet the saviour of cinema and I had said well you know I mean that's a mm. complicated thing it certainly feels like he is a superhero if Tenet were a person rather than just a word um, yeah. but it's great it's it's pleasing that's... to see that it's pleasing to see that people are returning um, it's what the cinema's needed it is yeah absolutely yeah. I think it's a boost it's a real boost, um, the fact that we've got something like that. And as we said last week, you know, Tenor is so many times rewatchable. So people going back time and again is great. It really is. Quite lucky, really. If you saw, saw, saw the film once and that was it, then you wouldn't make it anywhere as much money. So you need to make a film that gets people back yeah, several times. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's climate. the thing. So this, with this film it's kind of come at the right time. And, I, you know, I, I say that with obviously everything at the back of my mind as, as to what's been going on. But I think if you'd have released Fast and the Furious 9 or something in its place, <laughs> it wouldn't have had yeah. the same pulling power. Um, I don't think there's many films that would have had the same pulling power. You know, I think about Maverick, which has obviously been pushed back to next year. James Bond. Yeah. Now, people will turn out for James Bond, but the rewatchability, I don't know. Um, so Tenet has really looked out on this one, I have to say. So, you know, it's... Yeah, it came at the right time. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting, really, when you think about it. It came at the right time, even though, obviously, you know, the world is still on fire. Um, <laughs> it did turn up at the right time and gave a bit of confidence back to cinemas, to people going back to the cinema as well, and I think that's good. It turned up like a bucket of sand to douse the flames. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should we do this week's films? Yeah, let's do this week's films. Let's do it. This is Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. It's Film Friday, Mr. Mark Simmons with us. What Mark's, what Mark's, what Mark's be doing this week, film? What... <laughs> <laughs> Those words, different order. You know Have what I mean. What's go. coming up? Right. I, sh okay. I shall. Oh, dear, honestly. Um, so we're going to talk about two films now that are on streaming services. Uh, Mulan, which we're going to talk about now. We should Mulan. say that so this is on streaming services but you have to pay for it so it's called premium streaming so if you have disney plus it's available on there if you have i think it's on amazon as well i think it's on sky as well so it's 19.99 um on top of your disney plus subscription we must 20 make quid clear. yes plus your subscription fee. yes yes um, okay premium so streaming Premium streaming. Uh, there is a. They've given it another title, Disney. I can't remember what it is, but I'm going to go with premium streaming. So plus plus. Yeah, Disney Mu plus Disney plus. Disney multiplied. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, so as we know, this was meant to be 
in cinemas. Um, yes. It should have been out by now. Obviously, they pulled it. And then Disney decided, right, we're going to use Mulan as a sort of experiment for premium streaming to see how it works and what we can do with it, etc., etc. Um, let me start by saying ridiculous decision. Should have been in cinemas, <laughs> this film. Um, oh. It's... It's the type of film that, in fact, actually, I'll come back to that in a moment, um, but it should have been on the big screen. They should have held it back. Even mm. if we had waited till next year, they should have held this film back. Putting it on streaming it just doesn't do it justice. I've got to be honest. Should have been on the big screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing with this film, right, so obviously this is, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not so much a remake of the animated film, but more sort of its own thing. If you sat me mm. down, made me watch this film without telling me anything about it, so just went, here's, here's this film. I'm not going to tell you the title and I'm not going to tell you the studio that made it. You're going to have to guess it, okay? Never in a million years would I ever guess that this was Disney and Mulan because it's so far away from the animated feature film. You know, yeah. it's... It, I mean, I, I saw the trailer last year and I was like, okay, this is totally up my street. This looks absolutely fantastic. But now I've mm. seen it, it's it's very different. It's very grown up, very serious. Uh, Do you know, I'd go so far as to say it's a completely different film. It look, didn't look like a kid's film from the trailer. No, I think that's the thing because Mulan is not this cutesy character at all. No. She's a rebellious teenager who believes that she can conquer the world only to find that really she can't because she's still learning every day. You know, this is the thing she, the story is the fact that, you know, she's this uh, uh, maiden who disguises herself as a male warrior in order to save her father's fate. Um, so she, it's basically like a coming of age tale set during feudal times. You know, I mean, that's not the easiest sell of a film, is it? Let's face it. Mm. You know, if I said to you, Stuart, yeah, yeah, listen, uh, I've got this film. Um, it's set during uh, Chinese feudal times. It's a coming of age story about a woman who uh, goes off to fight but has to pretend to be a man. Chances <laughs> are you would probably go, um... Wouldn't take it as seriously as the film is. Exactly. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. You'd be like, mm, okay, yeah, Mulan, this one is one that I think will appeal to all ages, but for very different reasons. So earlier, so the Mulan character is very much there um, to raise the game for strong female characters in film. And I think it's especially aimed at teenagers because she's so brilliantly written that it doesn't feel like Disney are trying to hammer home that message, which, as we know, Disney love to hammer home a message. Oh, they do love a moral of the story, don't they? They do, don't they? Like, within five minutes, normally in a film, they're like, yes, this is the moral of the story. You go, oh, all right, we've got it. This is where we're going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, with this film, it's a very subtle yet necessary journey that we see Mulan take, figuratively and literally as well. That's the thing. So I think for youngsters, Mulan is probably going to be seen as like a beacon of light, like a character that I think many are going to enjoy watching and probably a lot of them will want to become as well. That's the thing, because she is slightly different. It is a world that many uh, kids will not have seen. Yeah. and Yeah, I mean, it's been ages since the, the Disney version was out. Early 90s. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, you know... Kids who are watching that probably haven't seen it, to be honest, or, you know, parents might make them watch it beforehand. 
it doesn't necessarily need to be seen beforehand. I've got to be honest. I don't think mm. it does. Well, be better without it. Well, this is a different film. That's the thing. Yeah. So going back to the other thing, um, the other the the other reason this film is so well put together is it's for older film lovers as well who are really going to enjoy it because. It looks and feels very much like a lot of classic and also modern era Chinese films. I mean, the cinematography is stunning, absolutely stunning. And, you know, this is why I say this should have been on the big screen. I'd love to have seen this cinematography on the big screen. I mean, it's amazing. And it brought to mind films like Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Farewell, My Concubine. It's Mm. beautiful to look at hand in hand with some of the best camera work I've seen because the way that the camera moves occasionally is it sort of inverts the way that a camera should move when you're following action. And you kind of go, oh, wow, okay. Changing the game. Yeah, it's got a bit of a Matrix feel to it in that (laughs) regard. Do you know, I literally flicking through some of the pictures here and there's a shot of Mulan dodging a eagle flying at her is it or something yes yes i instantly thought keanu reeves that's that's all over well see that matrix goes style. yeah exactly this is the thing this is why i'm saying the matrix because then that goes hand in hand with my next point which is basically the matrix took that style from the old chinese films uh that were based in the wuxia uh genre which oh. for anybody who doesn't know that you know films like crouching tiger hidden dragon uh house of flying daggers even like a touch of zen which is a very old film as well so you know the matrix took those and now mulan is taking though uh from the matrix but more taking from crouching tiger hidden dragon you know that all of these wuxia films echo through this mulan i really you know there's a moment where mulan is um running across terracotta rooftops with the bad guys following her. And it is something like out of a wuxia film. So it's just dabbling in that subgenre. It's not got loads of flying, loads of people on stilts or anything else like that. It's just just touching that area. And I think that's yeah. great because if people like that, hopefully they'll go and seek out some of the some of the great films about it. You know, as I said, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Curse of the Golden Flower, things like that. Um, then... It gets to a finale that wowed me. I was sat there going, this is brilliant. Is this a Disney film? Am I sure I'm still watching a Disney film? You know, because <laughs> yeah. honestly, it's, it's, it's so much more grown up than it has any right to be. And it sort of plays out at times like an Akira Kurosawa film as well. And I'm not joking either about that. There is a genuine homage, like I, I really love homage to Kurosawa's work through this film as well. So, you mm. know, you have this film that is echoing a lot of Chinese cinema previously. That's the great thing about it. Um, you know, my my criticism of the film is that it should be on the big screen. Yeah, that's it, it. should have gone big. That, yeah, absolutely. Watching it at home does not, regardless of your cinema size, uh, cinema size, TV size, it doesn't do it justice. It really doesn't. So, you know, mm. look, let's face it. Disney are are great at making princess movies. And on some level, Mulan is a Disney princess film. But it's more than that. She's a character. Yeah, she's now a character that I think many are going to look up to, while others will be thrilled by the style of the film. It's very un-Disney. It really is. So, you know, you have this live-action remake of an animated feature film, which I think is probably the best live-action 
version that Disney have made to date because it's so different. It plays by its own rules. And this is what you get if you allow filmmakers to do their own vision of it. Mm. You know, it's it, ultimately, you know, this this film becomes about representation. And, you know, obviously that's the that's been talked about a lot over the past few years. So you have a film here that is hugely about representation, but you don't. It, but it's got such broad appeal that you won't notice that you're ultimately watching a film about a Disney princess. I have to say, when you when you said this was coming out, I thought back to the original Mulan film and thought, I'm not too worried about this one. But the the live action of all the live action remakes they've made, this one is is clearly a completely new league. Like yeah. you watch the trailer and think, this is what they should have been doing with these live action remakes. Yes. Not making tigers talk again you know like, yeah that, that's the thing. Like don't it. get me wrong you know listen i like the jungle book live action i think it's fun it's good it's a little bit different great fantastic but you know we've reviewed aladdin um which mm. you know pointless um lion king pointless but those all felt like the same retreads of the, yeah. the animated this one is not at all i honestly i'm genuinely blown away by this film i was already set to enjoy it because i thought it looked great but I watched it the other night and I'm like, this is fantastic. I can't wait to see it again. And I hope somewhere down the line, Disney give the rights to some cinemas to show it on the big screen because I will be there. And if they don't, we definitely need a 4K Blu-ray of this because, my goodness, it looks brilliant. Or we need to get you a sword and you can go there and show me moves. Do you know what? Make it happen. Do you know what? The funny thing is, the sword in that really made me want to buy a sword. I've got to be honest. Honestly, it's it's beautiful. It's absolutely it cool, beautiful. It? it really is. Um, but, you know, from top to bottom, it's designed within an inch of its life. And this goes back to what I'm saying is that if you allow filmmakers to have their vision, mm. let them do it and you'll get something like this. And people will talk about this film. And that's great. Beautiful. What's next? Uh, so we're going to flip over to another streaming service over to Netflix now. Um, we're going to be talking about a film called uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, are you? No, it's fine. It's well, fine. I thought I thought we were, we were getting on well. <laughs> Sometimes I just think, oh, God. <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking of, here we go again. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is the latest film from Charlie Kaufman, who gave us Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind as well, amongst others. So this is a story uh, about a young woman who travels with her new boyfriend to his pa parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. I will oh. say, for those who know Charlie Kaufman's work, you'll know that he doesn't do easy films. They're very head-trippy mm. to a certain degree. You think degree. about it a bit. Yeah, and I think, yeah. much like his other works, it will this film it will either enthrall you or enrage you. I have to say, <laughs> I'm leaning more towards the latter, mainly because there's so much good stuff in this film that it's annoying that it doesn't seem to want to fulfil it. Like, Jesse Buckley is playing the young woman in this, who I'm a huge fan of. We've spoken about her before. You know, she's fantastic in Wild Rose. Um, yeah. It's great that she's now crossing over into doing some bigger stuff. Um she gets so much dialogue that you wonder if anyone else is actually going to speak in this film. I mean, it's a, really, it's an oh. actor's dream to get this much intense and trippy this dialogue. This is the role you want. It yeah. is, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've got to say, Buckley handles it with very, 
so much ease and continues to show why I think she's one of the best British actresses around. But as much as it's great watching her nail so much volumes of dialogue, that dialogue has to end somewhere. And it doesn't feel like it does it with this film. It, it hangs in the air like a bad smell. Um, <laughs> you know. It, is she still talking? She's still talking. Well, that's the weird thing is she's talking to people around her, but then also we have this voiceover of her talking in her head as well. So it's very different. Oh, right. Yeah. And then you have the film which skips time and scenes. It's quite troubling but quite ingenious at the same time. But the problem is it's difficult to keep up with the changes in moment and time. So, you know, mm. seeing Jesse Buckley's character talk to her in-laws and then it'd be years later and her in an empty house is quite the shock because she's still talking. However, it does... <laughs> time keep has the, changed. Yeah, however, it yeah. does keep you on your toes. That's the thing. It becomes something of a task to follow it. I've got to be honest, but this is a Charlie Kaufman film. I mean, you you were not expecting it to be linear at any point. Um, there are long scenes between Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons, who plays her boyfriend, as they drive along the motorway in this torrential snowstorm. And this is where the dialogue is really at its heaviest. Like there's a conversation that starts with them discussing David Foster Wallace and ends with them talking about where they want to throw away their unwanted milkshakes. You know, it's it's probably about a 20-minute scene and it goes through so many different things. Um, it's very rapid and it is difficult to follow its logical path as well. Um, and I think herein lies the film. It, you know, its parts are excellent and actually quite thrilling, but when you put them together, it's a movie that I think has very little linking except a threadbare of an idea of a woman meeting her new in-laws. So, you know, going to Charlie Kaufman's yeah. work, for every being John Malkovich, which, by the way, I'm a huge fan of, there is an Anna Melissa, which I'm a, I am detest greatly. I really do. Um, <laughs> this sort of feels like Charlie Kaufman's attempt at some sort of like Aaron Sorkin walking and talking type work. Um but to me, it comes off as like a film with zero narrative. Oh. Yeah. That's a long film for a zero narrative as well. Yes. Yeah. Two uh, hours, 15 minutes. Yes. I have to say, going through it, it did really feel like you were wading through treacle at times. I mean, oh, dear. As I said, that scene in the car, <laughs> great to see actors doing it, but the the yeah. the point of the dialogue, I'm not sure what was happening. I'm really your not. suggestion as to where to dispose of the milkshakes on their heads was uh, yeah maybe maybe your mind. yeah possibly look good milkshake I've got to say oh do you bring all the boys to the yard <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so we'll do we'll, two DVDs coming up have we yes we have two excellent. Not, not 15 this week, just two. No, just the two this week. <laughs> just two, good. I'm glad because I was thinking of ending things. <laughs> oh, You get the milkshakes. We're back in a minute. This is Phoenix 98 FM. It is indeed. It's Phoenix FM with the 123 Show with me, Stuart Pink, and still with me, Mr. Box. CB, what DVDs we got this week, Mark? Well, let's start with the high note. The Thought high was... note? <laughs> Let's do the high note. That sounds a little bit like Mickey Mouse. 
Tell us, didn't it? Yeah. I can go really, I can go really, really don't hard. Do 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Do you want to hear? No, no, I don't can, do it I because go... dogs might start barking at the radio. Ultrasonic, ready? How good's that? That was quite high. I mean... So so high. You didn't even register. I mean, the, the good thing is the singer in this film does not go that high. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Um, good yeah she's slightly slightly better at it as well yeah so this is a story about the superstar singer and her overworked personal assistant uh they're presented with a choice that could alter the course of their respective careers now thing is with the way hollywood portrays the music industry is in two ways i've noticed so one you get the dark seedy side where unscrupulous labels rip off artists for their own gains yeah or you get number two, which is a light and fluffy place where dreams come true and within the blink of an eye and you're a superstar and good times, basically. Yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the high note takes route two and makes a story about how this personal assistant is, oh, she's so overworked. She needs a break. To be honest, this PA doesn't seem overworked to me. I've got to be <laughs> honest. Like, you yeah. know. I have two family members who have worked as PAs, and uh, so I, I see how their life consumes everything. Basically, um, she so the, the the PA in this film, she's busy juggling the life of a superstar singer client. But honestly, she's not really losing her mind. I've got to be honest. The film is not all that little, busy. Yeah, the film's all a little bit too Hollywood to even get a glimpse into the real workings of someone behind the scenes in the music industry. Like the film glamorizes the job to such a degree that ultimately I felt like it was a recruitment video for the music industry. I really did. <laughs> um, Come work for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Of course, the, you know, the real music industry is nothing like this. You, uh, well, it's, it's pretty glamorous here at Phoenix FM, isn't it? Well, yeah. Don't tell everybody though. That's the thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you watch, yeah. you want a cup of coffee? I mean, that's about it, isn't it, it really? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Hollywood, I think, just wants to make a fun, easy-on-the-eye rom-com with the star of Fifty Shades of Grey, Dakota Johnson, who plays the personal assistant. Now, mm. you know, remember a few weeks ago when we reviewed that film starring Jamie Dornan, and I said, yeah, he's being typecast from yes. Fifty Shades. Uh, Dakota Johnson is now being typecast. As uh, well, no. yeah, so, yeah. Because granted, you know, she's not taking her clothes off or anything else like that. It's not, it's, it's not as steamy this film as that. But this sort of flighty, confused, almost manic pixie dream girl character, PA I think type. Only, yeah. yeah, it only works with certain characters. And here, it feels like Dakota Johnson has picked up where she left off with Anastasia from Fifty Shades. But it doesn't suit the character. I think this needed a tougher performance, and we don't get that. Instead, what we get is the PA merely floating through these struggles. I'm going to say semi-struggles, to be honest, of her life. First world problems. Yeah, it very much is. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, honestly, it's as cliched as they come. It's a performance that could easily send you to sleep. The, there's this will-they-won't-they romance angle that is achingly dull. The fact that she wants to better her life by becoming a music producer and then just so happens to have all of the necessary skills to jump straight into a studio and record this up-and-coming singer should tell you (laughs) all you need to know about how glib this character is and the entire film. Um, You know, it's... One thing I will say about this film, and it's a good point, actually, is I'm pleased to see a storyline that includes the journey of a middle-aged 
singer who's struggling to break free of the shackles of the music industry that you know oh she was so successful 20 years ago just go out and sing the hits and whatever else but she wants to do things her own way she wants to record something that the label don't want to do you know it's the storyline that's the storyline i'm more interested in that's what i thought we were getting from the trailer yeah that's the thing like it's really sold on that on that basis and if it had been that film and the secondary story would have been about dakota johnson's pa struggling with what's going on fine but the film is not about this middle-aged singer and i think it should have been i really do it doesn't Mm. do enough with that storyline that's the problem so i think if you're after a light inoffensive romp uh, sort of light comedy light romance then you know the high note might be worth your time if you want to see the real side of the music industry then i would highly recommend checking out born again or kill your friends they're the two yeah brilliant um and if you still want some good fun check out sing street because that's a great teenage music industry film as well the high note is very low on the note scale very low. Did hit all the wrong notes. It, was, yeah, thank you. Yes, I should have said that. It was not the full symphony you were hoping for. No. See, you're very good at these. You really are. It's more of a Backstreet Boys dinner. <laughs> Nothing wrong with them. Le- a, a, no? Okay. A, oh, a, sorry. Come on. The line there. Come on. Come on. <laughs> if you're thinking of uh, middle-aged struggling musicians, music and lyrics, I, I particularly love. Oh, with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, Now, there was some rumours that Simon Cowell was involved with that film. Was there really? Yeah, there was. It was either he had been involved in helping with the music industry side of things in terms of a writer or he was going to produce the film or something like that. I don't know if it ever happened. Um, Was he the tone deaf assistant who was listening? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of rumours that uh, Cal was involved in that. I don't think he was in the end, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, because that was at a time when they had just started Psycho Pictures and they were going to start releasing films. Oh. Yes. That's a whole other story. We should... A whole, a whole other story, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Last film for something completely different. For something completely different. Now, we should say this is on DVD and Blu-ray next week. So from Monday, basically. But I want to get oh, it in. I want to talk about really? it. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk about it because uh, it's a it's a great film. It really is. So this is The Immortal. Um, it is a spin-off movie from Gamora, the TV series, which obviously was a spin-off from the original film. Okay. Okay. Try and keep up. Yeah. Lots um, of spin-offs. So this is this film is set three quarters of the way through the TV show. Um, so it's a spin-off, and it's basically all about uh, Ciro, who many will know is one of the most well-loved characters um, in the show. However, spoiler alert, and if you watch the show, you probably already know this anyway, and if you don't, sorry, but you need to know this for this film, um, he is bumped off. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, so this film starts just as that happens when his body is thrown into the Gulf of Naples. And as he is plunging into the darkness, he starts to remember things of his past. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
honestly, this is this is a film that fans of the show are going to lap up, and quite rightly because it's I, I think it's perfectly executed film that keeps the Gamora energy going while telling a slightly different story. That's so you have to have seen both yes. spin-offs or just the Gamora. You you definitely series. have to have seen the show. Okay. Right. Right. Yes. So that's a bit of homework to do. Yes, there's four seasons, so hurry up. Um, <laughs> Uh, so the movie has got two timelines. There's one about the young Ciro. The other is about him as we know him from Gamora. The early years storyline gets very much under the skin of the character because we learn why he's called the immortal. We also discover more about his personal life and how he became involved in the Cosa Nostra. You know, for me, as a huge fan of the original film and TV show, the backstory really emphasizes the fact that he was one of the best characters and also, we get to see why his rise to consigliere was fully deserved. The mm. backstory is very well written. It almost seems natural to watch and not in agreement that, yeah, he would have done that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, and then the story sort of flip-flops between the young one and the middle-aged one. And we we get a greater understanding of the external factors that brought him into the company of uh, Jenny. So the older Zero storyline is typical Gamora stuff. Looking to twist a deal and do a few things as well. Um, but then we get some new characters come in as well, ones that are not in the TV show. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And I like that about it. It doesn't just rely on the fact that, yeah, we're using the characters from the film. They bring in a few yeah. other things as well. New faces. Yeah. I think the opposing storylines work very well. Um, the slow blend of them is mightily oppressive. Oppressive. Impressive is the word I should have said. Oppressive (laughs) Oppressive and impressive. Yeah. um, It must be noted that the film was directed by Marco Diamore, who plays Ciro. So he knows the character. Very well. Yes, exactly. So I think that's great. I think he's done a tremendous job. It's clear that he's learned a lot from previous Gamora directors like Stefano Salima uh, and Francesca Comencine, who, sorry, I was about to cough then, um, because he implements a lot of their styles. It feels very much, as I said, like a like a natural progression to those as well. So, mm. you know, you know me. I hate that term, one for the fans. Um, <laughs> but this but. is well, this is one for the fans. But it's halfway through the show. So, if you're going to watch this film and not have seen the show, then it's going to be difficult. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, look, it doesn't disappoint. That's the thing. So much so that I was enjoying the film loads. I was like, yeah, great, great, great. And then the final two minutes really got the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end and I got a little bit emotional. Oh, oh, yeah. tearjerker. So those last two minutes are the icing on a very, very tasty cake. And for anybody who is a Gamora fan, you will need to see this film before season five starts next year, I think it is. Oh, so you watch it before season five, not yes. after season five. Yes. So they've been very clever about how they've done this. That's mm, the thing. Yeah. They've gone, yeah, we'll insert this here, but you have to see it. That's the thing. I mean, you've got plenty of time. The good thing is, as well, I must say this, is that actually it already premiered on Sky Atlantic last Friday night, and it is available to all people who have got uh, Sky on-demand services, so you can watch it included as part of your package. If you don't have that, as I said, yeah. it's on Blu-ray and it's on DVD from Monday. And why would you not watch it if you're a Gamora fan? Absolutely. Can't get any Gamora, Gamora 
more gonna more no never mind no has this paved the way for more spin-offs with more characters do you reckon I don't think so um, no no one that good no I mean, as much as people go, well, give it gives a spin off of Jenny. No, the the show's about Jenny. That's the point of it, you know. Um, maybe there could be a spin off of one of the females, possibly, but I think might be a little bit too much, to be honest. Um, this just fits nicely. It's just it's that little bit of jigsaw in between that just works. Yeah, nice, and it will live long in the memory. It is an immortal film. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> what um, can we look forward to on the telly box this weekend, Buck? Well, a couple of choices I've gone for this week. It's a very 90s fest, okay? Um, 90s? Yeah. Like it. So on Saturday at 5.25pm on Sony Movies is Meet Joe Black. Now, oh, yes. Yes, starring Brad Pitt, uh, Anthony Hopkins, Claire Forlani. Now, the thing is with this film, I loved it. I've loved it since day one. I went to the cinema to see it and I absolutely loved it. Granted, it is a long film, it's about two hours 40. And it's the story about death taking a holiday and living his life on earth, basically, and falling in love. Okay. Yeah. Um, Good concept. It, yeah, great concept. It is a remake. Uh, I will say that. But I, I love this film. I think it's very nicely done. It's very soft. It's very tender. Um, it's a film by Martin Brest, who sadly no longer makes films. He's a bit of a recluse. But over the past year, this film has taken on another life online because somebody has made a meme out of the fact that Joe Black, a.k.a. Brad Pitt, gets hit by a van and has continued to make that cycling. But then also there's a moment where Joe Black and the girl who he's fallen in love with, Claire Forlana's character, they keep looking at each other in the distance and it's they keep turning and turning and everybody's like, oh, oh look at it. This is absolutely ridiculous. But they've taken it out of context. Yeah. And I, I just think I'm trying to grab back the fact that this is a very wonderful film uh, it's a lovely romance, and you know it showed that Brad Pitt. Well, we knew Brad Pitt was a great f- film actor anyway, even in Thelma and Louise. Um, but this was fantastic. This was him showing his softer side, his gentler side. You know, he'd he'd been very good mm. in Legends of the Fall, but there was a bit of male angst there. But this one, very soft, very gentle, and I, I just really like it. So I'm trying to reclaim it back to being a great film instead of people. <laughs> More not, than a meme. Not being very nice to it online. Yeah. So when's this on? Uh, Saturday afternoon, 5.25pm on Sony Movies. Should finish probably around 9pm. Nice. Just in time for my rock show. Lovely. There we go. There we go. There we are. That's all mm. right. I'll let you have that one. Nice. Oh, it's been ages since I've seen it. I'll, I'll stick that one. Yeah, right? great film. Uh, and then well, was... film on Sunday, 9pm on Sony Movies again. Um, I've gone for The Beach. Which, the beach. Uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, a young Leonardo DiCaprio in Danny Boyle's film, all about oh, this mythical yes. beach. Um, Set in Southend. <laughs> I'm not sure it is. It's not um, that mythical. Yeah. Um, a wonderful head trippy film that still stands the test of time. I saw it towards the end of last year because I was really in the mood to watch it. Um, visually stunning, uh, a storyline that really goes all over the place as well. As much as people will say it's possibly a romance, it's not. It's a story about a man trying to find himself, but actually finding that other people are probably quite annoying as well and ruined things. <laughs> um, I just think it is so out there 
that it could only have been made in the 90s. I think that's the beauty of it, is that yeah. Danny Boyle had this freedom to make it in the 90s, and he would not have made it now at all. Um, so, yeah, it's it's on TV again. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. I will happily watch it at any point. Excellent. And then go to the beach afterwards. Mm, well, yeah. yeah, I'd like to go. But, you know, the beach that's in the film, they've shut it down because too many tourists were going to it. Oh, really? Yeah, so you can't go <laughs> to it anymore. Um, oh, no. it's, it's in Thailand. You remember maybe about... Two months ago, we reviewed the film Crabby, 2562, oh, yes. whatever. Yes. That so, was the beach. So that was the beach. So they filmed some of it there. Fortunately, it still looks like that because they closed it all off to people, to tourists. <laughs> so millions of people descending upon it. Yeah, millions of people descending, experiencing, uh, wanting to experience some sort of a head trip like DiCaprio did, uh, but <laughs> not really realising that that was because of substances that obviously are illegal. Yes, even in the 90s. Yes, yes. <laughs> what we got forward to look forward to next week, Mark? So next week we're going to be talking about the new Johnny Depp film called Ooh. Waiting for the Barbarians. Barbarians. I keep, can't get my words out today. Um, Waiting for the Barbarians. Yeah, <laughs> Waiting for the, the Barbarians. There we go. Uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, a film called The Roads Not Taken. And then on DVD, we're going to be talking about Misbehaviour, which is a British film. And we're also going to be talking about a documentary all about Buster Keaton. Oh. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. But I look forward to it. In the meantime, I'll better go down the beach, I reckon. <laughs> You're not allowed. It's closed. Close to people oh. like you. Yeah, particularly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> taking, on the side. Taking your Close wind to people like you. Taking your windscreen down there or whatever it is. Um, wind <laughs> thingy. Windbreaker. Windbreaker. Wind yeah. Putting it all up. Spacing yourself and... out. Yeah, I've got it done. Well, you've got to get your towel down first. Oh, here we go. Here we here go. We You're go. one of those. You're one of those. <laughs> mm. Mark, have a great rest of your weekend. I will do. You too. Phoenix 98 FM. Go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews. Check the events for your area and listen to great radio online.